Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Two-state solution? Is there still a chance for a two-state solution? I think it's about time for the world to realize that Oslo paradigm failed on the 7th but, of October, and we need to build a new one. And in but, order to build a new one... does that new one include the Palestinians living in a state of their own? The answer is absolutely no, and I'll tell you why. The Israeli ambassador to the UK couldn't have expressed herself more clearly. Zippy Hotavli's comments to Sky News binned what most of the world sees as the only solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Israel knows today, and the world should know now, the reason the Oslo Accords failed is because the Palestinians never wanted to have a state next to Israel. They want to have a state from the river to the sea. But how representative is the ambassador of the Israeli government on this issue? The Israel Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, says it will fight until the end, regardless of support from the international community. This also comes as one of the leaders of Hamas has described Israel's post-war plans for Gaza without the group as a delusion. If Israel can't accept the so-called two-state solution, then what is their plan for the Palestinians? Our long-standing position remains that a two-state solution is the right outcome here. And more immediately, um, you know, what that's going on is incredibly concerning. I've said consistently far too many innocent people have lost their lives. And with Israel's actions killing thousands of Palestinians in Gaza and raising much of the strip to the ground, how much longer can Joe Biden support them? Especially if the Israelis insist that there can never be a Palestinian state. At a fundraiser yesterday, President Biden saying Israel is right to take on Hamas and has most of the world supporting them. But they are starting to lose that support by indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. And joining me from Jerusalem is Bell True, the Independent's chief international correspondent. Bell, you're very welcome to the Bell Tale. The Israeli ambassador to the UK, Zippy Hotavoli, She has made comments to Sky News, which have really caused a ripple here in Northern Ireland, in Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland and in the UK. When Sky News' Mark Austin asked her about the prospect of the Palestinians having their own state, she replied, absolutely no. Um, Are you surprised by that? I'm not huge. I mean, I'm surprised in the sense that that was quite a bold statement to make in English to a major news network. But I'm not surprised in the sense that several Israeli politicians have said that in the past, uh, specifically or or particularly in Hebrew. And it certainly reflects the policies of the current government that's in power right now under the leadership of Netanyahu. It's a very far right pro-settlement, pro-expansion of settlements 
um, in the occupied West Bank governments who've made it very clear on the ground that a independent Palestinian state with sort of the sovereign rights that a state would have would be near impossible. So it's not massively surprising, but it's obviously um, quite a bit bold statement to make, given that the idea internationally is that the solution to this would eventually be a two-state solution with the Palestinians having the right to have their own proper sovereign state. I think we should point out that prior to her appointment as UK ambassador, uh, Zippy Hotavli was the minister for settlements in a previous right-wing Israeli government. So perhaps we couldn't, we shouldn't be overly surprised. But as you say, this is part of a wider Israeli government. But it really does leave the EU, the UK and the US in a strange situation now in that that's the cornerstone, or at least in theory, the cornerstone of their attitude and policy to Israel. Yes, I mean, if you're looking at the sort of reality on the ground, even since this horrific attack by a Hamas militant group on the 7th of October, we're seeing a rapid increase in the displacements of Palestinians um, from what is known as Area C in the occupied West Bank uh, in, on, on an almost unprecedented scale. That's according to Israeli and Palestinian rights groups on the ground. We're seeing hundreds of people being forcibly displaced from their lands. Um, and we're also seeing uh, investment in settlement building happening at the moment. Um, and you know, the UK has said, I mean, David Cameron responded to it today, saying that it was a disappointing statement and that, that a Palestinian state would still be possible. But I think, you know, at least the Palestinians say from their side, the reality on the ground is how can a state be possible if you don't have any form of sovereignty in terms of a proper geographical area that can be a state, you know, the control of your borders, the control of your resources from you know, water to to electricity and the control, you know, freedom of access and, and movement. So the reality in the ground has definitely shown a movement away from the two-state solution for a long time now in Israel. You've used the words forcibly, forcible displacement there. Um, that's, a, that's a, you know, th- there are other terms which we could, which some people, critics of Israel would use to describe the phenomenon, mainly of moving one population to another place. Um, it may be harder for Israel going forward to deny the charge of ethnic cleansing? Or are they safe, I suppose, in terms of international relations that that charge will never be levelled at them? They have said repeatedly, um, the Israeli authorities have said repeatedly that they are not involved in ethnic cleansing and have um, denounced people who've used phrases like that and also phrases like occupation and apartheid as being anti-Israel and even anti-Semitic. Um, you know, the Palestinians have called it ethnic cleansing and um, so have some rights groups. Um, but, you know, in terms of the reality on the ground, if you look at something like the Occupied West Bank, people are being moved from their land. Um, they're being multiply displaced. We're seeing the mass displacement of people in Gaza right now. There's one point, over 1.8 million people who are forcibly displaced from the north of Gaza down to the south. And they're still trying to find somewhere safe to be and will be on the move. And there's even been... Unconfirmed reports of you know the possibility of them being displaced to Egypt, although Egypt's made it very clear they don't want that. So um, you know, I, I think it's it's very clear that Palestinians are being shifted from their from their lands right now and in an unprecedented scale. As you said, Rishi Sunak is still talking about the two state solution. Um, other other people have done that as well. Before I move on to the United States of America, it's interesting that Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach Irish Prime Minister, he has said now that the European Union has lost credibility with young people across the world due to the stance on Gaza. He says he's a huge believer 
in the European Union, but their inability to take a stronger and clearer position on the ground, on the situation in Gaza has undermined the credibility of the European Union. Do you think the attitude, I suppose, of a small state like Ireland will bother Israel in the slightest? That's a big question to ask. Um, I think it. I think it would. Uh, it's, it's hard to say, of course, but I think any you know, Israel is very sensitive to any criticism of its actions um, and has repeatedly hit out at anyone who has criticised the offensive in Gaza or any of the response of the 7th of October. So I think they will um, you know, re- respond to that. Uh, but ultimately, you know, its chief allies like the UK and the US, I think, probably have more sway in Israel. And for, for now, it seems that the UK and the US are doing very little to put pressure or not doing enough, at least that's what critics of, of the UK and US say, not doing enough to put pressure on Israel for, for example, a humanitarian ceasefire given the level of the bloodshed um, and the humanitarian disaster in Gaza right now. Well, of course, I mean, Israel's military offensive uh, involves using uh, weaponry for the most part manufactured in the United States of America and supplied by the United States of America. And so so uh, critics of Israel and the US will obviously point that out. But I mean, the US president has in recent days referred to indiscriminate bombing and has said that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu must change his government. Indiscriminate bombing. That's that is hard talk, in my view, from the U.S. president. Yes, it, it is actually. Um, I mean, he 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 said that Israel was you know risked losing international support over its indiscriminate bombing. I think the fact that it's acknowledged that there's been indiscriminate bombing of civilians is is a is a, a quite a statement to come from the U.S. You know, if we go back, let's say to, just over two months to when this particular um, conflict started, with the seventh of October attacks on southern Israel. The U.S. statements at the time were very clear. They were, you know, 100 uh, percent behind Israel. They repeatedly said that they supported Israel's right to defend itself, quote unquote. Um, they, you know, have obviously supplied uh, weapons to Israel and they made it very clear they were standing side by side with Israel um, in their offensive on Gaza and in their mission to, as Israel says, eliminate Hamas. But there and and you know that they have shown that in their actual actions so they have vetoed calls repeatedly for a humanitarian ceasefire saying they do want long term peace they want civilians to be protected but they think that a humanitarian ceasefire would you know jeopardize israel's military operations against hamas and so you know they have shown in action and in word their you know full support of israel and from the palestinians perspective they say that that has almost greenlit what israel's doing right now in gaza but i think the death toll the sheer like scale of the impact on civilians in Gaza is so huge and so devastating. And you're having the UN coming up with extraordinary statements. I mean, the UN's Palestinian Refugee Agency literally said that this is the darkest days in its 75 year history. You know, they've been evoking particular articles which haven't been evoked before to to, to push through calls for ceasefires. You know, international rights groups have been saying this is unprecedented. 18,000 people, according to the Palestinians, have been killed, 75% of them women and children. I think the sheer scale of the killing and, and the suffering has meant that, you know, even the US is getting alarmed. And so I think this statement was, you know, quite a powerful statement for Biden to say, although the Palestinians would say 
words don't count right now, actions do. And the US has repeatedly vetoed humanitarian ceasefires and repeatedly backed Israel's efforts to continue this offensive. So although it's a dramatic statement, the actions on the ground show that they still support what Israel is doing. Even aside from the number of people injured and uh, and killed in Israel's offensive, uh, some satellite images uh, seem to suggest that perhaps 100,000 buildings in Gaza may have been damaged during the fighting. Uh, and that would indicate that it perhaps would be very, very difficult um, for many Palestinians to return to all of Gaza. So that invites the question, at least in my mind, and in the context of everything we've just said, I mean, does Israel have an end game here? That is the million dollar question right now. Like what happens when the guns go silent or, or the planes stop, the bombing stops? I mean, I think the UN has said about 18% of Gaza's infrastructure has been destroyed since the war began. You know, swathes of territory in the north are essentially reduced to rubble. The people I'm talking to every day on the ground in, in Gaza they're living in tents in the open air with no access to water, uh, running water. Some, most, some of them are living in apartment blocks or in schools, in the courtyards of hospitals. They know their homes are destroyed. They know they can't go home. Um, and the other question is, even if the international community does rebuild northern Gaza, will it be patrolled by Israeli forces? Will people be permitted to go home? So I think from the Palestinians' perspective, this is, they don't, they have absolutely, they've just, their lives have been blown up, literally and figuratively. Many of them have lost entire, you know, dozens of family members and their homes. They have no idea what the future looks like for them. From, from the Israeli perspective, you know, they have said repeatedly that they are determined to eliminate Hamas. But what does that mean? And what, what what's going to happen to Gaza afterwards? There's been long discussions now about whether Israel would would go back to having a long-term deployment of forces into Gaza like they did before they had the withdrawal um, in 2007. They've also talked about, 2005, sorry, they've also talked about the, the possibility of Arab states having some kind of peacekeeping force there or the PA, the Palestinian Authority coming in. But there's nothing clear right now. And Gaza is, you know, obviously massively destroyed and there are you know almost two million displaced people and there is an untold number of people who've been killed and bodies still trapped under the rubble and there doesn't seem to be a clear solution about what that's you know what the day after is going to look like and that is what is worrying a lot of people not just the fact that the bombing is so intense but what, what does their future look like do you think the palestinian authority or mahmoud abbas do you think any of these people have any sort of plan or are they beyond the point where they could have a plan at this stage? I don't think um, they have a plan. Um, and, you know, I've, the Palestinian Authority has lost so much um, support from the Palestinians uh, over the last few years, you know, well before this even happened. Um and I mean, you know, Abbas has said publicly that he doesn't want to go into Gaza on the back of an Israeli tank. Uh, there's been an opinion poll, I think, that was put out on Wednesday for Palestinians, which shows a rise in support for Hamas, an overwhelming rejection of a Western-backed, you know, Abbas in power in Gaza. I think 90% want him to resign. So this is an opinion poll talking to Palestinians. So it shows you just how unpopular the PA is and Abbas is. Uh, so I don't think he has 
a plan. And I don't. And, and, and to be fair to him, what kind of plan can he make right now? I mean, no one has any idea what's going to happen, how long this is going to drag on, just how much of Gaza is going to be left. You know, how many people are, are going to be killed, and what the state is of this tiny besieged bombard enclave um, is going to be. So I think the short answer to that is no. I think there is a plan. And at the same time, the PA and Mahmoud Abbas are losing popularity among Palestinians who see them as having failed them. This current um, war, this current phase of a very long war, I suppose, was sparked by the Hamas attacks of the 7th of October in which I think it's 1,200 people were, were killed and uh, hundreds of hostages were taken. You are in Jerusalem. I mean, what do Israeli people, normal Israeli people, what are they saying? What are they thinking? So I've spent a lot of time talking to people um, on both sides and all sides, including the families of, of the hostages. There's 240 people who were taken hostage into Gaza and the families of those who were killed on the 7th of October. From the Israeli perspective, the 7th of October was the single worst, largest killing of Jewish people since possibly the, you know, in, in a single event, possibly since, since the Holocaust. It was a moment where they felt that there had been a paradigm shift and there needed to be serious action taken. So I'm, I'm summarizing the opinions of people that are speaking to me, just to make that clear. Um, and I think there is a deep sense of mourning and loss and horror and confusion and fear. And so there is large support for the Israeli military offensive in Gaza. There's a large support for the destruction of Hamas. And I think there is little interest in, you know, pushing ahead with a two-state solution right now. At the same time, there are some voices, I just want to add this if I can, there are some voices of family members of hostages and family members of those who killed who are alarmed by the level of violence that's taking place in Gaza. So I was talking to some pretty brave individuals because it's going against the tide, but family members of those who were murdered on the 7th of October, whose loved ones are believed to be held in Gaza, who told me that violence doesn't fix violence and that they don't want to see Gaza destroyed and they don't want, they, they, they want a ceasefire now. So they are in a minority, but they, they do exist in Israel. And I think it's really important to sort of understand that it's not just one cohesive whole of people believing one thing. But yes, that is a minority. And I think if, you know, there's a lot, lot of anger against Netanyahu, a lot of confusion about what, how 7th of October was able to happen and support for the military to continue its offensive in Gaza. With regards to Benjamin Netanyahu, obviously he has domestic politics to deal with and maybe that will come down the road. But how has he reacted to the criticism from the White House? Netanyahu um, is facing, um, he's having a very difficult time right now. I mean, uh, people are largely blaming him for uh, what happened on the 7th of October, um, for the massive intelligence failure and and the fact that, I mean, that this was able to happen at all. I'd say right now we're looking at unprecedented tensions between the White House and Netanyahu because of this statement about indiscriminate bombing, because indiscriminate bombing could indicate, by the way, a violation of international law. It could indicate, you know, possible war crimes, which is a very large statement for the US president to make. So I think um, right now, um, this is, you know, Netanyahu is going to be pretty upset with that statement. But at the same time, um, 
Israel knows that its biggest supporter is the US. And it's critical that they have the the support in terms of military support and weapon support, as well as the political support. And so even though the tensions are, you know, rising between Israel and the US, I think Netanyahu will still want to be close to the US. And I and I understand, I think, that we have um, an, another visit by Biden officials coming up soon as well. Um, so we'll have to see what comes off the back of that. But yeah, I mean, tensions are high, but still the US is the biggest backer for for um, for Israel. But if a two-state solution is taken off the table and it leaves very little options, I suppose, going forward for Israel with their relationship to the White House and it may well come to the point that even the White House, even Joe Biden has a, has a breaking point with Israel. That could, I mean, that could be the case. It, it, I mean, I think... Um, because you know, the US still sticks to a two-state solution. That is what is every that's the sort of widely accepted international um, you know, idea for this part of the world, even if in practically that doesn't look like it could ever happen. Uh, but certainly, as we see the Israeli military push deeper into southern Gaza, as we have more horrendous footage coming out of Gaza of the devastation to the civilian population, of hospitals being raided, of young men being rounded up in their underwear, uh, as those details come out, I think the US is going to come under increasing international pressure to, you know, uh, condemn what's happening in Gaza and also encourage Israel to protect civilians. Obviously, we've been concentrating on the Gaza situation, but all the while there's been a huge flare-up in violence, uh, an unacceptable behaviour, even even according to the IDF themselves, on the West Bank? Yeah, so I've actually spent some time in some of these areas. So we're seeing um, many different things happening. For a start, the sort of unprecedented numbers, and I mentioned this before, unprecedented numbers of people being forced from their lands in Area C in the occupied West Bank. Um, so they're large Bedouin or farming communities. Uh, and that is also coupled with a surge in, a massive surge in settler violence, Um and to the point where, you know, actual in the international community, some countries have actually put sanctions on some of these settlers because the violence has been so um, intense. And I mean, I was talking to Palestinians who were telling me about, you know, settlers wearing military uniforms, stripping them down to their underwear, you know, as well as use of um, of weapons and intimidation. And on the same level, you're seeing uh, sort of brigade-level raids into some of the areas of the West Bank, like in Janine, where there are armed factions, Palestinian armed factions, and, and really heavy clashes um, between Israeli forces and armed factions in the West Bank. So at the moment, we're also seeing, you know, what would normally be headline-worthy uh, events taking place in the West Bank, but it's just being eclipsed by what's happening in Gaza, I, I, I mean, the death toll in the West Bank is unprecedented uh, since I believe the Second Intifada. There's over 260 people killed in Israeli raids. But again, as I said, it's being overshadowed by what's happening in Gaza. But still, you know, even if the ceasefire happens in Gaza, my concern is that we'll see conflict erupt in the West Bank and this war will continue in a different iteration. Bell True, the Independence Chief International Correspondent, thank you.
When you get an Irish Independent Digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a 75 euro O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply.